Welcome to episode 81 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined by my co-host, Dalton Willie. And Dalton, we are exactly 24 hours from this recording, from this live show, I should say, away from real football. I'll just, I'll, I'll just give it give it to Steve Ballmer here for a quick second. I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. I cannot imagine clapping that that hard. That that had to hurt. Dalton, how are you doing? Twenty-four hours away from the NFL season that we have been talking about for what feels like months. It's finally here. I started my rookie draft prep in March, so <laughs> we're six months in, and I mean, this is just the best time of the year. It's getting a little chilly in the air. Pumpkin spice lattes are back, <laughs> baby. We have everything we could possibly want. Sundays with football. This Sunday in Kansas City, it's a low temperature day. It's like a high of 72. It's going to be rainy. It's just the perfect day to stay inside and watch football all day. Nurse a little bit of a hangover. Super excited for this weekend and to bet as much money as I can in Kansas. It's only a, only a one-day thing weather-wise. I think the highs are in the 80s and 90s every other day of of the forecast except that one including saturday when i will be at an outdoor wedding that day so so i wore a flannel to work today just trying to really <laughs> sell the fall is here well it can't run if if you want to really embrace the fall just come take a step inside my house you know my wife quite well we are already all halloweened out uh, on the inside of this house with much more to come but it is indeed football season. We've got week one content, as promised, last week. This week, this show will be a little bit different than, than other shows throughout the season where we'll get a lot less previewy of weeks and more big-picture content. Like, we won't talk about injuries and practice designations and all of that probably ever again this season, unless it's for a big injury storyline. But... That's kind of the prevailing story right now in fantasy football. It's just the status of all of these guys. My, my head was spinning looking all of this up. And I'll start with, with Michael Thomas. And I'll, I'll just read through a handful. We can stop and, and go back through. And then we'll, we'll keep it going on that front. Michael Thomas is, quote, on track to play in week one. He obviously has been dealing with the hamstring. That's per NOLA.com's Jeff Duncan. Darren Waller, this is a funny designation, parentheses, hamstring, comma, contract, <laughs> says he plans to play week one. Uh, you guys may remember that Drew Rosenhaus is now representing Mr. Waller, who is looking for a new contract. So I guess we'll, we'll keep following that saga. We assume he's probably playing, uh, but he has missed most of camp with this hamstring issue and obviously looking for the new deal. Ken Walker has yet to practice. I don't even want to try and weed through the the Pete Carroll quotes on this one. Not not helpful at all. We just at this point, I wouldn't expect Ken Ken Walker week one. Shockingly, I think we should expect Sterling Shepard week one. He's apparently going to play. The guy tore his Achilles late last season, joining the list of impressive timelines for Achilles recoveries in the last calendar year or so and then the last one uh, of this group van jefferson the, the game tomorrow night if you're listening to this on thursday tonight uh he is not playing it does not seem like for the rams in fact he may have already been ruled out since last i filled in this rundown but he hasn't practiced since the knee injury he's not gonna play tonight not a huge impact on what we think of the rams guys overall i wouldn't say but dalton what stands out to you in in that first group of of news I think we'll talk a little bit more about Michael Thomas and Ken Walker later today, so I'll mm -hmm. skip over those two. Um, the biggest one to me, and it's not from a you know start set fantasy perspective, is Van Jefferson. I do think it changes a little bit how the Rams have to play mm -hmm. um, because behind him that that depth chart's a little ugly. McCutcheon, the preseason All Star, yeah, the or, undrafted rookie that's blowing yeah. everybody away, right? And then they have Skoranek and Tutu Atwell. I mean, mm -hmm. those those third wide receivers are a little ugly. And this is a bill secondary, like we've talked about offline, that I think is ripe to be taken advantage of in this game with two rookies starting on the outside and then and no, nickel corner. And, and no, Trey White, obviously, is that being being the reason why for at least the first month of the season for them, I think. Correct. So I'll be interested to see how, how Sean McVay can, can take care of these corners. Obviously, he's great 
at moving his players around and forcing those bad matchups for opposing defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, one I didn't actually put on the rundown but broke after after I started this was Zach Wilson out for at least the first month. We get Joe Flacco versus old team in week one. That should be interesting. I, I saw somebody comment that it's not too often that the starter gets ruled out that I up the projections for the skill players, but I that actually might weirdly make you feel better about some of the pass catching guys, at least in the first week or two. Michael Carter. Yeah. Um, someone I'm very excited for. Bigger concern for me is coming in, part of Zach Wilson's appeal was his like his ability to scramble and you know gain yards after the play with his legs. And I just think we're gonna have two seasons where we don't get to see him use his legs at all. Because coming off this injury, I don't know how much he's gonna want to rush either. So big worries. But Elijah Moore, huge bump to me. And then Michael Carter, also huge bump. Both those guys had way better splits when Zach Wilson was not in the lineup last season. It's a crutch argument, but I could easily see Joe Flacco being in the Big Ben mold of dump it down to running back every time instead of getting hit. Which, I mean, to be fair, it won't just be Michael Carter and Brees Hall will run routes too. So maybe a little bit of a boost for Hall. But we think that Carter will be the the pass catcher of the two early on. So I agree with you there. This to me is probably outside of the the weirdness of the George Kittle stuff, which we'll get to. The Chris Goblin stuff is probably the biggest story heading into week one for a couple of reasons. Obviously, we've been following the way that this knee recovery has been has been kind of shaping up all offseason. So he goes on a podcast, I don't know what day, I guess, but sometime this week, and says, I don't think any of us know yet, when asked if he was going to play week one, he, would, he said that I would imagine I have the final say. It's going to come down to feel and the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter that much. I would love to be there for the entire season, but I think what's more important is being there for the second half of the season, which I think that falls in line with what we've said, that they're not going to rush him back. But we have the report today that he is a full participant in practice on Wednesday. He shed the knee brace, but then we have the reality check again that Todd Bowles has said they're going to, play a waiting game here and check in with Goblin closer to kickoff. And part of the reason why this is such a big story ahead of week one for me, be paying attention to your kickoff times for week one. Chris Goblin plays the Sunday night game against the Cowboys. So unless you have another Buccaneer you can flex or another Cowboy, or you have like Tyler Lockett in, in the Seattle game, maybe uh, I, I'm trying Travis to Homer. like Melvin Gordon, perhaps that that you could flex like thinking of like flex level guys it's tough to wait on goblin and it it varies on on format like in in the more shallow leagues you you have a better chance to have those guys or to go pick up somebody but like for me in our dynasty league you saw me pick up noah brown on waivers today the probably wide receiver three for the cowboys now that michael gallup probably isn't playing this week it doesn't seem like and and that's why like you may have to look pretty deep if if you're in a, a dynasty league and you want to at least give yourself the option to wait on goblin dalton what what's your read or, or feel with, with this storyline uh sorry for the distraction my windows to my left and there's there's just a tabby cat watching <laughs> um so we have an audience um, I will say I did look into this a little bit more and my biggest concern is he hasn't participated in contact drills yet, mm-hmm. which kind of leans me to say he's not going to be seeing the field. Um, but Russell Gage has also been banged up all camp and has finally got cleared to practice. So I don't know how effective he's going to be. And then you have obviously like the Julio hype train going on right now. Yeah. I was going to say, where... do we, do we, if, if Gage is limited and Goblin doesn't play, it feels like Julio is going to turn into a guy that people really want to start. As a big slot, probably. I mean, I, I think that's where he would play. I don't think Mike Evans will play that at all. No. And then maybe as like a pump play in DFS, Jalen Darden would be like an interesting little guy to look at. He hasn't done much, but he rose from the depth chart with that Tyler Johnson departure. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm kind of preparing for Godwin to be inactive. Um, but it's very encouraging to see, you know, he's not getting on the four week IR he's not you know sitting out of practices he's on the field he's practicing and and he, want... and, he, and he shed the the knee brace which yeah. which is good and i guess i don't know what full participant means today cuz i don't know if they did any contact stuff but i know that you're right at least up to today there's been no contact for chris goblin i don't i don't know if that changed at practice today i'm with you that he's 
I, I would err on the side of him not playing. Hopefully we just know more by those Sunday morning shows that everybody mm-hmm. does before the new kickoffs so that people can make a decision on Godwin with their full lineup available instead of having to decide on, like, for me specifically, do I start Chris Olave in the noon game and completely cut off any chance of Chris Godwin, or do I wait for Godwin? Hopefully I just don't have to make that decision. Hopefully many others get get spared of that as well. Um, Ian Rappaport went on the Pat McAfee show today and said it's looking good for Alan Lazard to play in week one. Not going to lie to you, this one like completely flew under the radar for me. I had no idea that he was even in doubt yeah. until, until this, but saw later in the day that he apparently got stepped on in practice last week. I, I, I don't know any more details than that. Don't know if that means his ankle got stepped on, his leg got stepped on, his hand got stepped I, I haven't seen anything. Um, any more details, but it at least seems like he's going to play, but a situation worth monitoring there. And then probably the biggest one up there with Goblin or maybe outside of Goblin is George Kittle, who, you know, I'm feeling a little bit better about taking the under on the podcast last week. He already has a groin issue. I just saw Shanahan said that he was hoping he'd be better than he is by this point today on Wednesday. He didn't practice today. Keep an eye on that the rest of the week. Dalton, if Kittle doesn't play, I doubt people who have Kittle on a redraft team probably have a tight end too right now. So in that scenario, are there any tight end streamers that that stick out to you this week? So I went and looked at guys with an ADP of 15 or lower because I feel like that's a good margin. Uh, First guy that I kind of identified, I don't mind Hayden Hurst. I think Hayden Hurst is probably better than CJ Uzoma was for the Jets. And they are going to have a lot of stuff over the middle in those seam routes because they have two elite wide receivers on the outsides. And I also think that they'll be able to pass around the Steelers. Robert Tunyon, if he plays, he's just a guy you can pick up off waivers right now, and he he can hit a big touchdown like out of nowhere, and that's all you need from him. Mm-hmm. And then Irv Smith, surprisingly, is an ADP of like 16 right now. Yep. Um, he's playing week one. I'm very, very bullish on this pass offense in Minnesota. So I think he's if he's on your waivers, I would tell you to go grab him now and yep. say that there's a good likelihood he could have a better season than Kittle with what I think he could do. Yep. Um, Irv was my number one on on this list. I'm glad you mentioned Hurst and Tunyon because those were two other guys that, that were definitely top of mind as well. Gerald Everett, I, I don't love him season long but week one they've got the Raiders who I don't think are going to have a good defense like every AFC West game this has shootout potential with with the Raiders and Chargers so Everett an interesting one and then if your league is looking pretty thin if you've got a lot of teams that took multiple tight ends you could probably go get Evan Ingram and just pray for the upside I mean Peterson does love to use his tight ends. Mm -hmm. We know that from his time in Philadelphia. Ingram, great at anything within five yards. Uh, So especially in PPR league, he could hit. Another thing we mentioned earlier, I think he's going to play the Darren Waller situation, but I don't mind picking up. He's probably the best backup tight end in football. And in the off chance Waller misses, that's probably a good hit. And probably a player you want to monitor usage with Josh McDaniels and how they use tight ends in New England. Foster Moreau could have a, a good opportunity to have some fantasy value. Yep, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say you should either go pick up Foster Moreau now and hold him until we know more about Darren Waller and then pick up one of these other guys afterwards. If there's a lot of options on your waivers, Moreau is the highest upside. Like I think Moreau would be a top eight tight end this week in rankings that everyone does if Waller were out, which is higher than any of these guys rank. And then you can also go the other way of pick up one of these guys if there's not very many of them, and then turn on every alert you possibly can on your phone to be first to waive with with Foster Burrow if it does come to that. Is Ross Dwelly the backup in San Francisco? That's a great question, and I... I don't know, and frankly, I don't really yeah, care. Yeah, no, I, I do not take anybody else. Um, the, the the other thing, just of concern if you're a Kittle owner, 
they play the Bears and are seven-point favorites. Mm-hmm. So if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're probably like, well, if you don't feel 100%, let's just not bother rolling you out there, mm-hmm. in all honesty, because they, they should beat the pants off the Bears. Yep. Uh, last guy, and this is really just more a to get it on your radar and monitor it the next couple of days. Deontay Johnson had a limited designation today. We know he had the shoulder injury in either their second or third preseason game. Hadn't heard much about it since. It was kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing for me. So when I saw it pop up, I was like, well, if I forgot about it, I'm sure there are some... Maybe If you have Deontay Johnson, you probably didn't forget about it, but maybe. So just, just be watching Deontay Johnson the next couple of days. And, I mean, if he were to miss, I think both Claypool... And Pickens are top 40 options, maybe maybe even more like top 30 to 36 for, for Claypool. I'd probably lean a bigger bump to Pat Firemuth, to be honest. That's true, I, too. Uh, I think he gets more TD upside. He can get some of that inseam stuff down the field. Um, not to say that those two obviously don't get a bump, but I think Muth gets probably the biggest bump, in my opinion. Muth always gets the bump. Okay, now... When you think of week one, waivers are f- probably pretty far from from the first thing that come to mind. But if you were to actually predict the week one breakout, which isn't what we're trying to do here, but if you were to do that, or just if you were to make a savvy waiver pickup in week one, that could really set your team up for early success. If you can get that early boost and you get it, if you're in a fab league for free before having to spend any money, or if you're in a league where it's rolling waivers, you don't have to waste your priority to to pick up the guy. So in the interest of doing that, I, I thought we'd talk about maybe a couple of guys or some situations where we could see them becoming one of the top waiver guys. If things went a certain way this week. And, and I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. First, um, you can look at rookies or young running backs who right now they don't really have much of a projected role. But what if Jalen Warren all of a sudden has like an eight carry game? That could be interesting. What if Rashad White is already a lot more involved in every down stuff and as a pass catcher? Than we think we we I saw the headline recently. I'm sure you did too. That the Bucks are reportedly looking to to get the four net workload down a tad this year, which would probably be smart. He had a, a lot of a lot of work last year. Uh, I think Zamir White is a definite candidate for a redshirt mm-hmm. type of season. He's also a definite candidate for like 12 carries in Week One. I just have no idea. It, it could go very drastically. One of two ways. And then, not that I think Hassan Haskins has the upside for a role in week one, but I just kind of like to take a rolling shot on backup running backs to in situations like that. Just, just to see. I hate to phrase it like this, but just, like, if there's an injury, you're, you're, you've got the guy. And I just... There's really no rhyme or reason, no signs to it, but just take a stab every now and then. Dalton, what, what, what's kind of your uh, your priorities or, or your thoughts on waivers as we enter week one here in, in a standard league? We're obviously not talking dynasty, keeper, anything like that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you monitored your waivers, you could have got Mitchell, Patterson, or two years ago, Robinson. Mm-hmm. So, like, not league winners, but definitely, like, every week starters. Um I think what it starts with is a lot of people jump on like the yardage or the touchdown train. Oh, this guy had a 75 yard touchdown week one. Deshaun Jackson week one was a very popular way wire pickup last year with the Rams. Uh, obviously didn't work out. You need to look at like the underlying usage. So, you know, is KJ Osborne out there for all through wide receiver sets, the Vikings and are the Vikings only running through wide receiver sets? That's a very valuable guy you can have right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is Josh Palmer legitimately the third option in a high-octane offense? Is that going to happen? Is Jeff Wilson getting all the reps behind injury-prone Elijah Mitchell? Uh, did Pierre Strong do enough in camp to warrant some passing down work in the Patriots? You know, those are kind of what I'm watching for, uh, are players that have gotten themselves on the field and are getting legitimate snaps. I mean, 
you, you know, like shot in the dark is Josh Reynolds playing over DJ Chark. I'm just saying they're just, you want to look around for things like that. What tight ends is David? He's got a family. He's relocated. I'm starting to add personal details to this. He has a family. <laughs> How but, could you? But yeah, I mean, look at who's actually playing because in fantasy opportunity is what leads to points. So see who's actually running routes on the field, who's doing the important stuff. Are the Bills still going to run like four wide receiver sets or are we going to consolidate that offense and maybe Dawson Knox gets a bump? All the things like that. So I'll look at usage. I don't want a box score count at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm taking it from the approach of trying to beat the waiver wire this week, I'm looking right at the Packers, and if I see either of the rookie receivers still on waivers, I'm just going to go grab one. I don't even know if, if Christian Watson is playing this week. That that still seems up in the air to me. Obviously, Dubs is, and there's a good chance Dubs is not on your waivers, but in a very vanilla home league, he he may well be be somebody who's out there too. And I think... We, we may not get immediate clarity on the situation if either Watson or Lazard doesn't play or isn't fully healthy, but there's there's the upside with either of these guys that you could snag the wide receiver one on an Aaron Rodgers offense off waivers because they're, they're both pretty available, I think. Yeah, well, I will tell you how week one will go for the Packers. Um, Sammy Watkins will have 120 yards, <laughs> and he will never be heard from again. Um, but yes, definitely a lot of value in that wide receiver room because they have seven active wide receivers. Like I think that I don't think it's just everybody outside of Green Bay wondering who's going to be wide receiver there. I think the people in Green Bay are trying to figure out who could be a good wide receiver for them. Um, same thing with a lot of tight ends. Like if Tunyon is playing and ninety percent of the snaps is healthy, or Cameron Brait down in Tampa, those are probably yep. guys you want to consider to waiver. Uh, because when it comes to like you late in tight end drafters, you have to be really on top of it with this. Which tight ends are getting the most snaps? Uh, David Njoku who's another popular guy. I'd probably be watching his route participation. Um, and then Dan Arnold or whoever is playing tight end in Carolina could also be valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Cameron Brait because it his situation with Kyle Rudolph will be will be one to watch in Week One. Who is actually getting that tight end one work? Is there a tight end one in this offense? Because if you have two tight ends, you likely have no tight ends for fantasy football. That's usually that used to be the 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 saying with running backs, but that will always be the truth with tight ends, unless you're talking about two elite tight ends, because it's just you're you're not yeah. gonna, you're not going to maintain two guys. Well, then probably in my opinion, one of the most important guys to monitor is Sony Michelle and Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. I I really think if somebody can consolidate that RB2 role behind Austin Eckler, they're like in that Tony Pollard-esque range of running back twos. Because if the Chargers offense are as good as we think they're going to be, they're going to be a lot of red zone opportunities. And I think whoever consolidates that role gets a lot of that red zone work, especially like within the five. And they could just be like a touchdown or bust player for you during your flex weeks. I don't know. I, I thought you thought the Chargers were going to be really bad, so I'm not I'm not sure why you'd have be interested in Sony Michelle. Well, I think they will be, but <laughs> I also understand that that is not with popular opinion. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. Okay, I'm going to change the order up slightly from what I have on the rundown because it makes more sense to do it this way. So let's jump to the injured guys. And when I say the injured guys, I mean the guys coming back from the long-term injuries. The J.K. Dobbins. Chris Godwin, we kind of talked about already and and michael thomas how do you approach setting your lineup with with these guys with with let's just go with goblin i think if he's active we're probably we're both starting him right like i think it's pretty no-brainer but with dobbins and thomas i'm not so sure that is let's start with michael thomas and i'll let you start to probably give the the more negative thomas case and i'll go positive uh what are you doing with thomas week one Say you took him in the sixth round. That was about where he was going. Um, so we'll just jump to this too, because I don't want to say it all twice, but he is my set of the week. Oh, okay. Um, so that is what I'm doing with Michael Thomas. Um, there are a couple of things going on here. The first is I am worried about how the Saints are going to play football this season. And if they play it like they did to start last year, it's going to be a very low volume 
grinded out team that lets their defense do the work, and they're going to be in a very positive game script for that against the Atlanta Falcons, who I think are going to be very bad. Uh, he plays against A.J. Terrell, who shadowed wide receiver ones on 74% of his snaps last season. A.J. Terrell is a very, very good corner, probably coming around to be one of the lockdown corners of the league. And then um, I just really need to, especially with Michael Thomas, I really need to see it before I believe it. I would not be surprised if he pulled Antonio Brown at halftime and like threw his cleats up because he wasn't getting targeted. I'd, I'd be a little surprised. I'd be a little surprised. But I'm, anything is in the realm of outcomes with this guy. He could come in and go for 10 for 120, um, or he could come in and get targeted twice and like limp off the field with like a weird bone fracture in his left foot again. And I, I do not want to start a player who hasn't played football in almost two years. Mm-hmm. And so with him especially, I'm just completely avoiding it putting him on my bench, hoping for the best. And then if Chris Olave is the dog, which he will be <laughs> picking him up on waivers or trading for him immediately. The, uh, so I know you're coming from this, uh, from a, I would not have drafted, drafted Michael Thomas period perspective. I would have taken Thomas where he was going. Probably. I think slightly higher as it turned out. And if Thomas is active, I'm playing him because I, I draft, if you draft them, which I would have, and I think I have some places, in like the sixth round, he's probably never going to be healthier than he is this week unless we just, I mean, we don't know how the hamstring is exactly, but he's healthy enough to play. He's going to be out there, it sounds like. So I I just think if you drafted Michael Thomas, if you're not going to start him this week, I I, I don't know why you drafted him if you're not going to start him in, in week one of the season. Well, if you listen to me, you would have never drafted him. What do we think his player prop is for receiving yards? Do you think the books even gave him one? Oh, they absolutely, they absolutely did. But let's see. Well, I'm here on DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay. And let me go over here and find us the Falcon Saints game. All right, let's look here for receiving yards. Okay, for any time touchdown scorer, he's the third highest at plus 155. Yep. Let's go down to receiving yards. Let me know what oh. Chris, let me know what Chris Olave is too, because Sleeper had a, a yardage prop for Olave. I'm curious how it how it stacks up with DraftKings. Uh, well, DraftKings is only giving three players receiving yards props, which is Alvin Kamara at twenty. No, at thirty. Sorry, Corderell at twenty two, and Cal Pitts at fifty nine and a half. Um, maybe they're maybe they're putting nothing on the board until they know for sure that Thomas is playing. That must be it. But I can't believe we can't even get an Olave prop. The Olave prop on Sleeper was thirty one and a half. Now I'm gonna open Sleeper, and let's see, Michael Thomas. He's on Trejo's team. I'm wonder, wondering if sleep if I can see other people's props. I don't know that I can though. Nope. I don't believe so. You want to make a little bet? Uh, Allen Robinson has 59 and a half yards as his prop. Let's just take over-under on Michael Thomas between you and me, 59 and a half. Does that feel safe? So hold on. We're, ma- we're making a bet on the prop he's going to get or a bet on the yards he's going to get? Yardage. So I think he gets under 60 yards and you you take the over? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I don't feel great about it, but I'll, I'll do it for the bet. Why not? I'll take it. Uh, you can also get, love this one, Tony Jones Jr. plus 2,200 for anytime touchdown. <laughs> uh, that That's probably when you know you're a little too deep on, on DraftKings when you're pulling up the, the plus 2,200s for Tony Jones Jr. Okay, J.K. Dobbins, probably the most noble news of the day. Yet again, J.K. Dobbins. Lamar kind of, I don't know if I want to say slipped up, but did a little bit today in his presser and said he's hoping that Dobbins will be back in a couple of weeks. First, let's just say, for the sake of argument, because this seems to be changing daily, at least weekly, with Dobbins as to how long we think he's going to be out or not out. If he plays week one, which the Ravens play the Jets, mind you, and they are the largest favorite of the week at minus seven. What are you doing with J.K. Dobbins? Um, I am also bitching him. I, I think uh, Lamar might be right, just with the approach we've seen. Uh, but I, if he plays, which if you were the 
Ravens? Why? Like, if you don't think he's fully healthy, you were playing the Jets with Joe Flacco. <laughs> mm-hmm. And last year, you practically had Le'Veon Bell and Tyson Williams and uh, Devonta Freeman come out of nowhere. I mean, these guys were, like, th- on the team for three days, and then they were rushing for, like, 70 yards. So I think the Ravens likely just trout their backups out there, Justice Hill, um, Mike Davis, Kenyon Drake. I think they give them the playing time, and maybe if Dobbins is even healthy, we see like kind of like what we saw with Saquon week one last year, like a, a snap count with 12 touches at most. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not starting him, and I'm planning around it already at this point. The problem is I'm just so torn because – they play the Jets. If he gets 10 touches against the Jets, you are likely going to be happy you started him. But I, I think I'm with you because we – I think I don't think we have any guarantee of any type of volume for Dobbins if he plays. If he's active, could we see him – maybe get like a couple of carries just to get him out there. It's possible. Maybe the Ravens just make him active, but he's, but we don't find out until later. He's an emergency active in, well, you don't need in week one against the Jets, but he's active in case of emergency. But we won't know that until later. I, I just think there's a lot of downside that probably isn't worth the upside of 10 to 12 touches against the Jets, which could be pretty nice, but the the floor is lose your week. And it'd feel pretty terrible to lose your week. And week one, because you guessed wrong on how healthy a guy was. So on that note, let's let's think about Mike Davis. Let's do a little name. I'm assuming week one, we probably both agree Mike Davis would be the back that we're starting on this team. Maybe if Dobbins is out multiple weeks, it turns into Kenyon Drake. But he's been there for like, 10 seconds. So I think Mike Davis has that edge right now. Are, are we in agreement there? Yeah. But would we agree that Kenny Drake's the better back? Yeah. Although I don't think, I don't think it's by a large margin, but Drake is probably better, at least more talented, but, but yeah, I, I think week one, it's Mike Davis. So let's just do a little week one name game with Mike Davis here. Who would you rather start, Mike Davis or Naheem Hines this week? Mike Davis. I'm going Naheem Hines. I'm going Naheem Hines. The Colts get the Texans. I know it's uh, potentially not too much passing game work, but I I just do think that Hines is going to get enough work in general this season for the Colts that he'll make it worthwhile. And I Kind of like with, with Dobbins, but for a different reason. There is the downside that Kenyon Drake is actually the back you want to own. We saw last year it was really hard early in the season to get a read on this running back situation in Baltimore. We went from Tyson being an, R, an RB2 to Tyson being on every waiver cut. being on every waiver wire, including the NFL's waiver wire, before too long. So I think we've got... Some unknown there with with Mike Davis. Uh, Melvin Gordon or Mike Davis? Uh, Melvin Gordon, but I just think that's because there's a lot of TD potential in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melvin Gordon, and I think I typed the wrong name in this earlier, so I'm changing it right now. Um, Mike Davis, and I agree with Melvin Gordon, by the way. Um, or Michael Carter. We just talked about Carter getting a little bit of a boost. Uh, definitely Carter. He's the three area, the two minute drill back, and I do think the Ravens take it to town on the Jets. And there's a lot of check down from Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there as well. Uh, last one: Mike Davis or Kenneth Gainwell against the Lions. Uh, I'm just staying away from the, that's like one of those monitoring situations. Mm-hmm. I'm staying away from it, so I wouldn't start Gainwell yet. Uh, but he potentially could be very valuable in the future. Yep, I agree. We've got Miles Sanders, a full participant in practice. Seems like he's going to play. Trey Sermon. <laughs> Trey Sermon. I thought you were going to actually correct me with something that I said wrong. No. Um, and, and then we have, like, the corpse of Boston Scott just always there, always lurking, could possibly be the second running back on this team, and nobody wants to talk about it, including me, because I think Anne Gamble's a lot better than Boston Scott. But at least in week one, 
I agree with you. It's one that I'm sitting out and monitoring. Unless you have Miles Sanders, you're probably starting Miles Sanders, although everyone knows how I feel about Sanders. I wouldn't be thrilled about doing that. Dalton, you want to answer? Uh, eh, I think we've touched on the Zeke thing a lot. We've got a couple of chat questions here. Um, he, this guy, Matt, says, One thing I don't understand is the Zeke hate. Do people think he's done? I got him on my team. I hope he's ready. I will say with Zeke that we've talked about him being done or not done a lot this season or this offseason. We're both in agreement that he's uh, a high-end RB2, like a top 20 guy. But I don't let week one matchups dictate my lineup decisions too often. But we saw this exact matchup last year. We've seen the Bucks for multiple years now be great against the run. I, I, You can't. You're not benching Zeke. You just have to roll him out there and pray, I think. But I'm pretty concerned about Zeke in week one, and I think he'll be okay after that. Yeah, and I think I do think the Zeke hate got out of hand. Like, in the early draft season, he was like a six-round pick, yeah. which is pretty egregious. Um, concerns, losing Tyron Smith at left tackle, that whole team's offense gets worse, Zeke especially. I think the reason for the hate is like everybody just really wants Tony Pollard to be the guy because he they think he's better and he might be better. But when it comes to fantasy, especially like where you got him, which is like mid to late third round, early fourth, I mean he does have that bell cow potential. And if we get one more like Zeke eating gear, you're you're walking out of that with a pretty pretty solid case for it. So I definitely I don't hate him this year. I think it's just gone too far, and some people just really want to see that Tony Pollard train. And they'll say whatever they need to to get it rolling. Mm. And and speaking of guys I'm waiting on, Tony Pollard against the Bucks, tough matchup. Don't know if the slot usage is going to be real or not. Very well could be because I mentioned Noah Brown is going to be the wide receiver three potentially in this game. But I I don't see how you start Pollard and feel good about it this week. In future weeks, sure. But this is a, a tough matchup for that running game. And we don't yet know the passing role. Uh, Dark Den Dan. Dan, you should go check out our YouTube short on Allen Robinson right now because that will answer this question for you, but we'll answer it here again as well. Hey, guys, I need some help. Marquise Brown versus KC or Allen Robinson versus Buffalo? Half PPR. Allen Robinson versus Buffalo. I would I, I would say he's a top 12 type of play this week. I, th- I agree. I will say that is a very nice situation to be in. Yes. Like Marquise Brown – is going to get a ton of targets. Uh, I just think we've seen that before with him last year in Baltimore, where like he's so inefficient with the targets that you could be walking away really bad. Where Marquise Brown has 12 targets, six catches, 25 yards, and like four of his drops were like four touchdowns. Um, <laughs> Allen Robinson is going to line up against a rookie corner with Sean McVay likely scheming some stuff up for him and Cooper. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson. I agree with Evan 100% too. This game will probably also be a shootout, and I think the Rams might want to prove something with the way people are talking about the Bills and not talking about the defending Super Bowl champs. Well, and you mentioned two rookie cornerbacks, um, and I would assume Elam, the, the better of the two, is going to maybe see more of Cup than Robinson, although I have no way of knowing that other than that just seems like that'd be the smart thing to do. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like both this week. These are what we call champagne problems. These are not normal people, yeah. fantasy football problems. You have either a very nice team, Dan, or you're in uh, a smaller league, which, you know, these are – a smaller league can honestly be a lot more difficult sometimes because you do have these problems where it's a lot less obvious and you're picking between two studs. So I definitely – while it's a champagne problem – it is a, a problem. 12-team league, then you just crushed the draft. <laughs> You're just a great draft. <laughs> That's a hell of a situation to be in. Uh, okay. One more thing, Dalton, before we get to our starts and sits of the week, although you already gave your sit of the week, and Michael Thomas, I thought it'd be worthwhile to just touch on early season trades real quick here. And debate, I, I don't have much prepared for this. don't have much I really want to get to. But I see... On Twitter, I hear on podcasts, people still asking opinions for trades leading up to the season. I know me, myself, I almost never make a trade before week one. And really even early in the season, there are a certain type of trade I'm looking for earlier in the season. And we can talk about that in a minute. But I know you, 
I don't know if I've ever been in a league with you, even a redraft league, where you haven't made a move before week one. Sometimes they might not be moves I agree with. Sometimes they might just be you trying to right a wrong of a draft pick or, or, or something of that nature. But other times, I think that you are... I get bored. Yep. You, well, you get bored. That That's a great excuse, too. And I, I think you think, and you are probably right in some situations, that there is value to be had out there still for making trades before the season. I'm curious what your thoughts are on trades before the season and just trading really, really early, like after week one, week two in the fantasy football season. Yeah. Uh, wanted to give Dark Den Dan just a thanks for that sub, man. means a lot. For sure, uh, Dan. Appreciate it. But I do think... Like it is important to eva- like reevaluate your team as consistently as possible, mm-hmm. and some of us are toilet tinkerers where we do that every <laughs> Sunday morning, and you regret it a lot. But the important thing for me, especially like if you draft in early August, there is like some really actionable information that's come out there yeah. um, that you can work with. Like for instance, I'm probably if I drafted Russell Gage and someone still thinks he's going to be like a legitimate thing, like thing in Tampa. I would trade him for, I mean, like maybe a package deal with like Romeo Dubs and Michael Carter in, in a redraft league. I would love that trade and walk out of that feeling very good. Um, so there is actual advice, but my biggest advice for your early season trades is one, don't, because you draft these guys for a reason. And yeah. two, in most cases, I would be looking for a two for one where you're the one getting a one, because that probably means you're getting the better player in mm. the deal. Uh, so don't but also after week one if you have a player you drafted like let's say you took this podcast advice last year and you drafted a lot of tracer (laughs) Uh, and he is a surprise at active week one that's some actual evidence that if someone's offering you a trade for him you might want to trade him Mm -hmm. or you know you drafted jarvis landry you think he's flex and all of a sudden marquez calloway is running routes over jarvis landry in new orleans that's another concern those are the kind of things you need to watch for, like the underlying route tree. Are these guys seeing snaps? Uh, did you draft Brees Hall and is he getting 20% of the snaps? Should you probably trade him while people still think there's a shot? You know, those are the kind of things that I would be a little concerned. And monitoring and at least throwing out, like, feelers to the league to see if people will bite on him. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I had the stat in front of me on Brees Hall. Did you happen to listen to the Footballers podcast where – Jason Moore gave the stat, like, if a running back doesn't get X amount of carries in week one without getting... It's 12 or more carries. Yeah. yeah. And they don't... I don't... What's the stat? Like, they don't reach a certain amount of carries and like, it's almost never happened. They don't... Well, they don't, like, finish as a top 24 running back, I think, is... is it's pretty, like, wild that ba- it ba- goes back. Basically, the for the last, like, 20 years, yeah. unless the guy gets hurt week one, if he doesn't get 12 carries... I'll go back and find the full stat and regurgitate it after week one, depending on what Brees Hall does. Um, he He's not a top 24 guy if he doesn't reach that threshold. So definitely a, a situation to watch and might make you more willing to to sell if he is like a seven carry guy. Although I say that and I've got the voice in the back of my head saying, you know, the Ravens could be up 25 points the whole second half. And that's why he's not getting the volume. It, like it, it could be like it could just be a unique situation. I, I don't know. I will say, I I don't think I've ever made a trade. Although I, I take it back. I made one trade with you before a season one time, and I think it was to get rid of Rex Burkhead for uh, what's the terrible running back for the Ravens. Justice Hill? No, 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 no. Former running back. They call him... Or set? No, no. The, the Irish dancer, Alex Collins. Oh. Be- oh. Because you wanted Burkhead, and you were mad that I snatched it before you. And I didn't believe in Collins at all, but he was still a higher pick than, than Burkhead. Um, I don't think that worked out for anybody. I don't think it worked out for either of us. But <laughs> unless you're just getting like a clear value, a guy that you just believe in, believed in at draft time more than the guy you're trading away... I'm not trading before the season, and in the first couple of weeks, the types of trades I'm looking for are the underachieving stars on trigger-happy fantasy football managed manage teams. Like, I'm going to use Johnny as an example since he's not here, and this is the first example that comes to mind. 
the year Drew Brees gets hurt week one and the year Michael Thomas has like the all-time receptions year. I think it was like week three and Thomas was maybe like week two. I think John was either 0 and two or one and two or something. And he just, he really needed to, to get some wins. And it was, it was unclear how good Thomas was going to be. I think Emmanuel Sanders was off to a better start that year than Michael Thomas. And I threw in a second player, kind of like what you said, the, the two horses for a pony type of deal. It was a two for one. I got the best player back, a guy that I believed in season long. Now, did I think he was going to do what he did that year? Of course not. I would have traded for a lot. I would have traded a lot more for him and made the negotiations a lot less painful if I believed he was going to have that kind of year. But I believed in Thomas long term. I thought I could survive until Breeze got back. I didn't think it'd be as bad as people thought with Bridgewater at quarterback. And I traded away a guy in Sanders who I didn't have belief in season long was that he was going to be able to maintain the top 12 pace that he started on. So I'm looking at guys who have hot starts and trading them for guys that I do still believe in, even though things have been rough, whether it's them or their situation earlier yeah. in the season. Well, like last year, uh, Jonathan Taylor owners probably weren't happy the first three weeks of the yep. season. He had no touchdowns. Um, he was having like 80 yard games at best. And we, we really pounded the horn to trade for him. And if you did, you probably walked away really happy there as well. Mm-hmm. So another guy like that, or if you have someone like Josh Palmer, who's running 40% of the routes, but has three straight games with 75-yard TDs, I would probably trade him as much as I love him. <laughs> yep. Like, you're probably trading him for, like, a real wide receiver who gets real routes and is on the field all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then this is even more of a risk, but there are certain guys that, I have said in the team previews that we did on the newsletter that I don't want to be the one to draft this guy, but I can see myself trading for him at some point. If Dobbins doesn't play the first couple of weeks and that J.K. Dobbins manager is 0-2, 0-3, 1-3, whatever the case may be, it's going to be a big-time risk to trade for a guy sight unseen coming off of an ACL tear. Or even if he, come, if he comes back the first week, and gets like eight carries. Then the guy, the manager might be like, all right, this is not what I signed up for when he came back. I want this guy off my team. It's a risk. It's a risk for sure. But those are the types of leaps of faith that are the upside swings you need to win leagues. So I, I think just pay close attention to the usage and not only the usage, but just know the context of how a guy got to his stat line. Don't just go look at the stat line and and say, Josh Palmer, 90 yards the first two weeks. Like, this guy's going to kill it all year. Go look at that stat line and then remember back and think, oh, well, he caught one pass on a completely busted coverage for 50 yards and scored a touchdown. And then this next week he, you know, had a, had a touchdown with a minute left in a game. The Chargers were down by 14 points. Yeah. Well, Rondell Moore is a great example. Yep, from last year. Yep, he had a great first game, and he was on the field for 90% of the snaps. Uh, he also, like I just said, broken coverage was literally what led to like half his yards in that game, and his A dot was like 2.1. And after three weeks, it was really clear his A dot was not going to go up. Mm-hmm. And he was on the field an entire season because the, the, the Cardinals play five wide more than anybody else. So he was on the field a lot but he was getting such poor targets that it just wasn't worth it to have him. So like Evan said, watch how they're getting him. Don't just be like, oh, Rondell Moore got seven targets. He's the guy. Well, yeah, but were those seven targets five yards down the field or mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage or 20 yards down the field? You know, all of those matter. Yep, absolutely. Let's go to our starts of the week this week. I'll let you kick it off here. Who is your start of the week for fantasy football? Okay, so I want to be clear. Like I said, I already gave Michael Thomas. I tried to go with some people that you were sitting on the fringe with, and I dipped all the way into the the Monday game. So if there's a surprise inactive and you're combing your waiver wire and you're like, I need need a home run or I need somebody that can put in that flex spot and and kind of help me out here. Uh, And I landed on Travis Homer. And I know if you're listening to this, you're like, I did not draft Travis Homer. The guy is on waivers. Of course he is. 
first, that's why he's the start of the week because you already draft your team like we talked about earlier. So all of your guys should be started that you drafted to be starters. But if you're down, you're down 30. You're right now in your flex spot is like Melvin Gordon or like KJ Hamler. You need a home run. I think there's there's potential here. So Ken Walker, I do not believe is playing. And Rashad Penny has been dealing with injuries, and we know the story with Rashad Penny. If he gets blown over, he will not play the rest of the game. And that leaves Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. It was pretty solid in the preseason that Travis Homer was the third down back. And this Seahawks team is bad going up against a juggernaut in the Denver Broncos, who I am pretty sure have a quarterback who is going to be more than happy to score 42 points if he can. And they're going to be doing a lot of check down work. And that happens to be Geno Smith's skill set is check downs to the running back. And I think that's where Travis Homer gets it. Uh, the offensive line added Charles Cross still pretty bad, especially going up against two elite pass rushers in Denver. So there's a really easy picture to talk myself into where this guy gets eight catches for 60 yards and might slip in a touchdown and you come away looking like a genius. Uh, on the other side of that, I would not pick him up if he has a good performance this week. Uh, I would only be starting him this week, especially until we get a little more clarity on the top two backs there in Seattle. So that's who I'm going with. I think he could win you your week if you're down big and you you need a legitimate starter in your flex. You know, I really respect how hard you worked to comb through fantasy rosters and waiver wires everywhere to make to make that selection. I just I just don't think I could go there. I don't think there'd be any situation outside of the one I'm currently in in the Dynasty League where I might have to start somebody in a Monday game that I I would want to start Travis Homer. You know, here's here's what I think. I kind of think this is going to be a close game. I kind of think the Seahawks are going to hang in this game. Do you think it – is this like solely like what I was telling you I was going to bet on Florida and doing <laughs> no. nothing but narr- narrative street? Like the Seahawks really want it. They want to get back at Russ, man. Well, it is a little bit of that. I think it's a two-way street uh, as far as that revenge narrative goes with with this matchup. But this is in Seattle, right? I'm not just making this up. This is in Seattle. It is in Seattle, yes. And, and uh, Denver is still minus seven in the game. I think that's crazy. I that that's too big of a too big of a spread for for a road team. I don't know, man. Like Geno Smith, not good, but. He wasn't terrible last year. Hasn't been terrible in the preseason. I think he can at least be functional. And they they still have some talent on that team. I don't think they're going to be a good team by by any stretch. So, I don't know. I I think you'd have to be in a pretty tough spot, but the situation that you described is somebody being in a tough spot. So, I can't I can't hate on it too much cuz you definitely went deeper than I did. If Travis Homer is a top 20 back on by Monday, I am going to gamble a lot of money week two with these <laughs> insights I'm having lately. <laughs> All right. I I expect uh, your DraftKings lineup this week to have Travis Homer in it somewhere if you do a Monday slate. I'll put him in the captain spot in a showdown. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely putting your money where your mouth is. I am telling everyone who drafted Trey Lance to start him this week. And that that may not seem like... That, that's not as hot of a take, as deep of a of a pull as Dalton over here. But depending on when you drafted, it's very possible you're looking at Lance and you're looking at another quarterback on your team like a Kirk Cousins, a Dak Prescott, a Derek Carr, just like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Just insert like QB 10 through 18 here. And this is Lance's first game. You, this is the most I should this is the least you're going to know. This is the most unknown you're gonna have about Lance at any point in the season. So it is definitely scary. I can see why you would look at Kirk Cousins and be like, Yeah, I would just rather start Kirk Cousins this week. I drafted Trey Lance to play the long game. But I'm telling you, I think if you drafted Lance, you fire him up this week almost under any circumstance, because I doubt you took him as your QB two with a better QB one in ADP. They get the Bears. The Bears are absolutely terrible. They're in full-on rebuild. That includes the, the defensive side of the ball, too, on that team outside of a couple of guys. And then just, like, looking at it from a DraftKings perspective, Lance is only 6000 this week. I think this is probably the cheapest 
you're going to get Trey Lance on on DraftKings this week, unless he's bad, unless he's bad. But I I don't think he's going to be because the rushing is going to be too good. And this is a game you mentioned it with with Kittle, and, and you know if he's out, just talking about a potential backup tight end, they could really be ahead in this game, really be salting it away, and. I mean, would it shock you if Trey Lance had 15 carries in this game, close to the 18 he had in whatever game that was last year? No. He also wasn't my guy, and I love him. Mm-hmm. So, love <laughs> this pick. Um, just speaking of the Bears, I had a nightmare that the Rams traded a third for Robert Quinn, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> would just be the ultimate Rams move. But no, Trey Lance, is. I think he's going to smash here. Um I also am very excited to see if he can feast on the Bears like a bad team and actually look like a good passer. Mm-hmm. Another thing to watch, too, if he comes out of this being a good passer and maybe his stat line isn't the greatest, like he has 18 fantasy points, I would be looking to trade him for him, not not trade him away. Trade for him if I saw that. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. My sit of the week, uh, since you already gave Michael Thomas earlier in the show, I'm going with the guy that we've talked about already on here, and that's Brees Hall. Uh, the Ravens are an incredibly tough draw for Brees Hall in week one. And if you drafted, I tried to not go, I, I tried to not go too high up in drafts because like even a guy with Brees Hall's ADP, if you took him in his ADP, you don't want to bench him. You took him in the fourth or fifth round. Like those are guys you just start. But I think I was probably a little, and you two, a little lower on Brees Hall than consensus ADP for starters. We have some Michael Carter concerns early in the season, especially. And not that preseason matters, but it would have been nice for Brees Hall to quell those concerns in the preseason. And he did not. Like, even though the Ravens come into this game a little bit banged up at running back still, it's very likely we see a, a big-time statement game from them in week one with this, I, like this is a seven point spread that I think actually will be a pretty routine cover uh, for Baltimore this week against Joe Flacco. We don't know Brees Hall's workload. We don't even know his, his role. Like that's the biggest thing is we, we don't know the role yet. And then game script could make the workload really go poorly in this game. I, I just think there's too many, too many things that could go wrong like, if the Jets get off game script, if the Falcons are, or if the Falcons, good lord, well, I don't know where I pulled the Falcons from. If the Ravens, wrong bird, are ahead 17 to 0 at halftime, could Brees Hall get eight carries and one catch in this game? It's very possible. What does nine carries get you against a Ravens defense where. You know, I don't like uh, predicting defenses year over year, but the Ravens are a team that we just know every year they're going to have a good defense as long as they don't all, like, die before the season, which they have not yet this year like last year. Yes. Well, and if there's any team that knows what it's like to defend against the run, it's the Ravens defense who has to do it every day in practice, I'm sure. Mm. Um, And Brees Hall coming out, I mean, it was pretty clear that the reason he was drafted was they wanted a big hitter like a guy who could really rip off a huge play. Mm -hmm. And if there's a team that I feel really, really confident saying is going to contain a big play in the run game, it's the Ravens. That's a really difficult front seven they have. Their safeties are really good. And, I mean, the way that this team plays football is very hard-hitting and old school and just really is the antithesis of how you would want Brees Hall in his first NFL matchup, which is terrifying. Yeah. So, absolutely, he's definitely getting benched. I would probably start Travis Homer over him. (laughs) <laughs> love that love that we just came to a great conclusion on this podcast travis okay. homer greater than breeze hall okay i was gonna say i think i'd favor michael carter this week but i don't think that can even stack up to to travis homer over over breeze hall <laughs> nfl season starts in a day this is the last day we get to have a bunch of takes that are wrong but still so right evan <laughs> uh okay dalton I- any more outrageous takes before we jump to the let's make HPPP rich parlay and then get out of here. Uh, I think the Chiefs win by three touchdowns. Okay. I don't know if that's outrageous, but... Eh, a little bit, a little bit. Although the spread went from three and a half to six, so it's, it's yeah. trending that way. All right. So, in the spirit of Johnny bringing us a 16-leg parlay 
to start last season. And I think we had a running joke because we were doing this for a while last year. A lot of them didn't even make it past the Thursday night game. So sad. Hopefully that we do a little better this time around. I've got for you an 11-leg parlay that with a $25 bet is going to make us $5,550. I mean, that's good enough for some good podcast equipment. Like that... That'd be a pretty big day for us. It's good for a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm starting off with the Rams tomorrow night. God get in on the first game. I've got the Rams plus two. You can find them at plus two and a half in most other books, but I'm just doing this on DraftKings right now. Two, two and a half, not really a, a marketable. Uh, a mark. It's not like you're going from three to three and a half. You don't see too many two-point games. Uh, the Ravens money line, which feel pretty. I, I went with, okay. So I went with multiple heavy favorite money lines. The Ravens' money line, Colts' money line, Bengals' money line, and Niners' money line. But this is where things get a little a little wild. I almost went with the Lions' money line, but I'm going with the Lions to cover plus four. Which I, I don't. I know you're a big Eagles guy. Curious what you think about that that minus four spread for them in Week One. Well, in my three leg, I took the Eagles minus four. So. <laughs> Definitely should have talked about that before I have to roast you on air for taking the Lions. It's only plus four. It's I'm not taking them to win. It's at home. Uh, well, it's at home. Four point dog at home. Did they hard knocks bump is what they got. That's all that is. <laughs> they are still a bad team, and they also just lost one of their linemen for at least two games. So I've and I've got the Chiefs money line. You'll notice a trend that with any spread bigger than like three points, I took the money lines. I don't. I don't want. I can handle being completely wrong on a game and losing it, but it's already small money to make big money. I don't want to lose this because I have like two bets that cover minus four instead of minus six. So that that's the because I think we always see pretty inflated lines in week one, and I just don't want to mess with that. Uh, the Vikings home dogs. I'm going Vikings money line straight up to win against the Packers at home at plus one hundred to add to that. The Jaguars plus two and a half. I just think they're. I, I think the Commanders like that's like ultimate bad vibes team, uh, just like sad team. And then I'll round it out with the Bucks minus two and a half, and the Panthers minus one and a half. How can anybody bet against the Panthers minus one and a half? Is the real question. That so every time I go to make a bet, I look at that Panthers Browns game, <laughs> and I'm just like. The, the Browns are plus one and a half, and they're so bad. Mm-hmm. But they're also such a complete team. But Jacoby Brissett is so bad. Yep. But at the same time, do, do I want to bet on Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield or, or, and pray that Christian McCaffrey comes out here and plays a full game? Like, <laughs> it's just so scary. That is like that line. And... Christian McCaffrey has yet to get hurt in week one the last two years, knock on wood. That is true. Uh Let's hope he regresses all the way to the healthy mean of 17 games. Um, but yeah, that that's a good bet. Um, I like taking the home. There's a lot of home dogs this week, by the way. Yep. But I like taking the Vikings. Um, I am going to take Justin Jefferson 79 and a half yards over on DraftKings player prop. I think that's a really good bet. And Kirk Cousins is 265 and a half for pass yards. And that's another one I would take. So I like that. I think the Eagles is what loses it. I also have the Jag Jags plus two and a half because I think Carson Wentz sucks. I, I took so. I, I took the the Jags plus two and a yeah. half. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, you'll notice one I didn't have on there. I didn't have the Broncos winning or covering or anything in any capacity because I have a, a little bit of a funny feeling about that game. Not saying Seattle's gonna win, but I'm just not betting any on Denver. That that'll be a game that. I'll watch it play out and maybe make a make a live bet. Do a little live line action in that one. Do you think they could win? Yeah, I think the Seahawks could win wild. that game. That I think they wild. could win that game. I think, and the lines obviously say this too, but I think like I would give a way higher percentage to the Raiders beating the Chargers than I would to. Well, yeah, that's not. I know. That's I know. Not breaking I, any I know, news. Wild, but I, it, you know. Just based on like where they're rigged at, that's I still think it's wild to even give the Seahawks. And I, I left that game out too because I originally had Chargers at minus three and a half, but that line's only three and a half instead of six and a half because they don't have a real home field advantage. It's gonna be all Raiders fans there. 
in LA. So you worry about that. Um, are they in LA? Or are they in Las Vegas? Oh, they actually are in Vegas. So, yeah. wow, I might actually go back and put the Raiders in there at plus three. The the thing that I makes me nervous is I think I, Jackson I, injury is big. Yeah, with Devontae Adams, I just think this is a field goal game. I just kind of think this is a field goal game. And the Raiders also did beat the Chargers week 17 last year. I just can't get the game out of my mind where the earlier matchup when they played, when Carr got sacked about six times and Bosa pretty much after the game. Yeah, we know he, uh, when he gets pressure, he just kind of uh, folds. He, he can't handle it. I, yeah. I, I, You have that concern with the Raiders every week with their offensive line. But when you play a Bosa, you just kind of, you just kind of have to worry about get, that. Yeah, they did also just let their – First round pick last year, go <laughs> Alex Leatherwood. So, well, twenty five to win over five thousand dollars. I think it is a great bet that will likely not work out. Dalton, that is going to do it for episode eighty one of the Half Point for Podcast. So glad that football is back and we no longer have to do previews. We can talk about real results, real outcomes, real usage, real everything on next week's show. Looking forward to that. And thank you guys so much for listening, for the live questions on on the YouTube as well. We do truly appreciate that and hope you'll continue to follow along this week. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, etc. Subscribe to the YouTube at Half Point Per Pod. I think that's where a lot of the waiver wire and start sits of the week is going to live this year. We're still getting some of that stuff figured out. But again, thank you guys for listening. Wishing you all the best of luck in your week one matchups. And we will talk to you about it all next week.